Greetings. Welcome to the Austin to Kitchen podcast. I'm David Garig, and uh, I'm going to speak with you today about uh, this 10-day uh, grain fast that I'm in the middle of doing. And uh, so it's a very uh, personal podcast, actually, because uh, I'm going to talk about kind of my... Uh, my views about diet and practice, and uh, and so I'm not like claiming uh, big authority on the diet aspect of things, um, <clears throat> even though I feel it's a crucial aspect of um, of the practice, like to the point where the the daily discipline of um, asanas breathing mudras that we do you know the ashtanga regimen th that the diet is as much as 50 percent uh, of the the overall discipline R right that, that's how important it is the f the food that i eat and uh and it's it's very easy to overlook this uh aspect of things uh, for various reasons, but one of them being that sort of it's all about our relationship to the material, right? And um, and so as we we do yoga, we kind of it just naturally happens the uh, lessening our use of the material uh, world. And uh, that's right, the tapas uh, is uh, discipline or heat or restraint. And same with yama, the first limb, that those are restraints. And so we're, we're in this uh, kind of deep, ongoing process of contemplating our desires, our appetites, and reining them in, checking them, and trying to turn our attention to the, the spiritual dimension of life that's <clears throat> juxtaposed or oppositional to the material side. So, in short, as a yogi, it's like one of your few pleasures or the, 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 from the wide array of pleasures in the world it kind of gets reduced down to uh, some simple basics like food. And, um, and so we can form habits and um, kind of indulgences around our food and pay consequences for it that can't be made up by doing that 90 minutes or two hours or even more of practice per day, right? It's like, I think they'd like to have the belief, and I think it's a belief that happens in, um, with all kind of serious exercisers, that you, if you exercise enough, or if you're physical enough, you do enough postures, enough breathing, enough vinyasas, then you can eat anything you want, and, and you'll digest it, and you'll be fine. And, and that is simply not true. Right, that you—it's um, that's, and at the very least, it's like 
um, working against yourself. It's making it, so if you have a poor diet and you're eating the wrong foods or too much food and then you go to practice um, or eating for the wrong reasons then, and you go to practice, then there's going to be interference to your, um, your digestion, your physical body, what you can do. And um, psychologically, emotionally, mentally, as, as well. And uh, so for me, I um, and and the COVID, this um, lockdown has really made it challenging. Um, I've even heard that that people, it's just so standard to put on weight during this uh, during COVID, that called it like the COVID fifteen. Like the extra 15 pounds that, uh, as an average, you know, could be more, could be less. But I certainly um, put on weight in the, in the lockdown and sort of loosened my standard and, um, of my diet and paid the, paid the price. Uh, so I've, many of you know that uh, struggling kind of with dizziness um, and it got really bad recently um, to point of vertigo and um, just unexpected attacks and uh, tinnitus and really, really struggling with my um, health. And, you know, I have an okay diet, but, um, but I didn't think to look there in the beginning. And I thought that, like, um, by cutting the obvious things like caffeine and things that... Um, I might see some progress and um, resting more and t- getting off the screen and doing these things, but um, none of it seemed to help and I, uh, or make a big difference. And um, I even went to the ear doctor and they were saying, um, it's kind of dramatic, like the, the guy was, I have my skateboard with me because strangely, even though when I was, getting this vertigo, I could still skateboard and bicycle and stuff. <laughs> but I'd wake up in the middle of the night with the room spinning. But, um, but he was like, well, you're going to have to get a new mode of transportation. He's like, can you even walk in a straight line? And, and then um, and he was telling me that there, there are options. Like, and um, the, one of the options, like one of the main options, if I kept going down the road I was going was basically putting a chemical in your inner ear and killing it so that and hoping that that cures the vertigo but doesn't take away your hearing and so obviously that scared the bejesus out of me and um and i decided i'm gonna try a cleanse fast and so that's what i'm i'm in the middle of i'm in a six-day um brown rice or grain fast and um, so I'm eating only brown rice and uh, gamaggio, which is a kind of a Japanese uh, condiment of just um, ground sesame seeds and a little bit of sea salt um, and water. And so I'm in day six and I've just amazing how the, the results of this uh, completely um, turned around my situation and um, just 
really driving home for me the this connection between like the food you eat and what your objectives are by practicing um, your asanas and such every day that they're they're a pair and it's easy to lose track of how important and how influential what you eat is in your overall health, in the health of your practice, in the progress that you make, and in kind of all the, the wishes that you have for your practice. You have this major ally um, at your fingertips, at your taste buds, uh, and, but you have to, to do it. You have to really um, embrace the discipline of the diet. And I've, it's so funny to me because I've done fasts before, but and so this grain fast, it's, um, I think it might be kind of more broadly um, used or known about, but I'm doing it within the context of macrobiotics. And I, I've long been in, influenced by the macrobiotic diet and, um, and the kind of philosophy of approach to food. And, but in all this years, and I, I've been a kind of fringe person in the macrobiotics. I've never followed it super strictly, but it definitely like, I consider it like the diet that I base what I do on. And apparently not very effectively at times, like um, in recent months. Um, but, but anyway, the, for the macrobiotic world, the, it's called number seven. And um, it, number seven diet is what I'm doing. And it, it's, it's such a smart thing to do when you really come down to it because rice is the center of my diet. Even if I um, go out and eat all kinds of other different foods, rice remains um, my staple food. And I, I consider it an art form to cook it in a pressure cooker and, and, and also to make the gomaggio. <clears throat> but then to like, then single that food out and say, okay, no other foods are gonna, um, I'm not gonna eat any other foods for this little block of time. Um, is, a, is something I never, I knew about, but I never did it. And when I would fast, I would think of, I would do a fruit fast, like uh, watermelon or apples or something. And I don't know, there's something um, appealing about that. But I'm really happy I decided to try the grain fast, the brown rice fast, because of the whole um, simple sugars versus complex sugars angle, right? That the watermelon, it's like a, it's a spike to your blood sugar. It's a, much harder to keep an even kind of um, homeostasis in you. And whereas the grain, the whole grain, when you cook it, you've got a much more um, complex breakdown of the sugars and then uh, a more even flow through your system. And so... I'm having a very good experience and um, getting um, dramatic relief from my symptoms 
like um, no more vertigo, not even close to that. Um, I still have some um, tinnitus. It's not like an absolute miracle cure or, or anything, but um, I went from just feeling like I was really spiraling down to um, feeling like I'm walking back towards health you know, in just um, six days now. And um, I want to read to you, there's a, it's a book, it's called Rice and the 10-Day Rice Diet. And it's a, it's a kind of collection of writings. And it has, I bought the book, it's not that great of a book, honestly, but the, um, it does have an article in it, a short article by a man I really respect in the macrobiotic world. His name is Herman Ihara. And wonderful man. Um, that's a Herman and then A I H A R A. And he, he wrote um, that here's some of the benefits that people experience when they do the, the, the brown rice fast. And this, they're modest um, benefits, but I've, I've definitely noticed them. Um, so number one is reduction of excess weight. Okay, so the COVID-15 is reducing. And um, so it says almost all overweight people reduce their weight to a normal weight um, with the number seven, even though many of them did not strictly follow it. Okay, number two is um, almost all people experienced a better feeling, a clear mind and detachment from worries. Yeah, so th this is um, a better feeling, a clear mind, right? And this is why we do our practice. Our, um, the, the asanas is to, to get a better feeling and a clearer mind and detachment from worries. And so it's amazing to me that both with, like, with our diet, we can we can also influence that, not just by getting on the map, but by what we eat, right? And um, eat, like drinking coffee and um, eating processed foods and bars and um, just these kind of um, foods that really belong in the kind of wider circle of more like occasionally that I, myself, I allowed to become more like daily or um, almost habitual um, were adding to my, um, the challenges and the stress and um, my worries and my fears. And because uh, the COVID, it's not the, the possible like um, kind of letting up on the discipline of the diet. There, there's amazing stress in the lockdown and in the changing world and um, just the how I had to go from um, you know live teaching to completely online and um, just really stressing about so many different things just tripping my system out to the maximum and so so just doing this purification, the simplification. It's like, uh, is, is really a blessing and is really in keeping with the, the yogi way, right? And 
Um, and I could say, you know, I could browbeat myself or feel like I'm, I failed as a yogi to get, um, to get unwell or to, to let, um, to become more lax, let up. But it's hard to keep things going, um, you know, day after day, month after month, year after year, without any, uh, any real season, you know? It's like constant discipline. So challenging. And, um, and yet, that really is what's called for. And that, um, that the yogi, as a yogi, that's what you sign up for. And it's so interesting because you, you uh, whether you're a yogi or just a person that wants a happy life, of a full life, you have to keep growing. You have to keep changing and learning and, um, and going further. And for a yogi, though, then that means to continue to analyze your relationship to the material world and cut out excess. So it's like your, your sacrifice has to um, increase as time goes by. And it can seem like your, what, you know, what your pleasures are, your kind of enjoyment of the material world keeps getting narrower and narrower. And I'm, I'm 60 years old now, though. I've had 60 years to enjoy so many pleasures. And it's interesting because I liken it to um, this idea of increasing your sacrifice, like, and meaning eating like a monk, right? Eating your gruel and, um, <laughs> and that being your main thing. So the, in India, they have the four stages of life that are really different than the, um, the Western idea of the four stages of life, especially at the end. Okay, so you've got your youth phase, you know, your childhood. And then you've got um, your kind of young adult phase, and they call it brahmacharya, of like, um, almost like its own kind of abstinence of uh, discipline as you kind of set your course in life. And then you have the householder phase. It's a long phase, right, of where you, you're a family person and you, you work. But then here's where, and that's all pretty uh, standard across the world, I would say. But then in India, this is where there's a sharp um, contrast. Okay, so because their last stage of your life is the forest dweller, where you actually let go of your possessions and um, turn to ascetic practices and, um, and attend to your spiritual um, dimension. And whereas with us, we, <laughs> we want to retire and enjoy all of our, you know, like we have stored up all our uh, material, uh, right, with our retirement and we've kind of made it so we can have the easy life on the way out and um, retire and go down to, to Florida or whatever, right, and, um, or Arizona. And... And it may not look exactly like that, but, but certainly that's more of the thrust of things, is that retirement is a kind of life of ease.
and, um, and plenty. Okay, and for me, I definitely identify with this forest dweller uh, mentality much more. That, that makes more sense to me and like this experience that I'm having right now. And, um, and so what's interesting too to me is that I, now the, it seems to me the life expectancy is, is much longer than it was in the past and that and in 60, 60 years old, you could, in the past, that would potentially be, you know, headed, you're still in the householder phase, but you're sort of headed also for that forest dweller um, phase, like 65 is the age of retirement uh, kind of official. And, um, and yet, for me, that, I don't see that at all, right? For, for various reasons. Um, one is the love of my work is that I, I don't want to retire. And that's probably the main one, but, but there's other ones too, which is that I, I haven't um, built up a big nest egg all along here. And so I have to keep teaching to earn my keep. And, um, and so I, I, and I don't see that, um, I don't see my householder phase um, ending in, even in the next, 20 years say and so um, so but at the same time my evolution as a person and like this what I'm what I'm saying to you is it's like this continuing to grow what does that mean for you what does it mean to continue to sacrifice and um, and to go deeper into becoming the person that you're meant to be and for me it's it has a forest dwelling aspect like a withdrawal from the material world in every way and including diet and and so there's this whole simplification process that i'm i'm called to like i feel um i guess i'm partly resisting it because i feel that that's what was happening with this um these challenging with my health that i've been having and and i didn't automatically go to um, strong purification measures um, to help myself. So, so part of me is resisting, but part of me is also really feels drawn to, to it. And, feel, and also I feel like it's the only way. That for me, the way forward is a purification, a simplification, and um, a kind of yogi in the cave mentality at the same time as performing my whole householder duties. Okay, and so that's a delicate balance because I feel like as a householder, when, as a, as a, like a real, um, you know, strong worker in the world and uh, just having many responsibilities and um, really being active, you have to make use of material, of course. You can't live on only rice, right? And you, you can't um, withdraw and go into that kind of solitude and um, quiet. And you've got to, so there's a, there's a real balance that we've got to strike. And I'm, I'm imagining that 
many of you will either are or will be facing very similar things to what I'm talking about and, um, and what I'm going through. And, and so there's a kind of delicate balance that we need to find of um, kind of being part of the world and interfacing with all the all that that offers in relationships and um, work and um, food and drink and um, other ways of imbibing material and then also though honoring this uh, this amazing part because you know there's people that they live on rice. It's not just a 10-day thing. It's like rice and a little bit of vegetables. And, and um, this is the monk's um, diet, right? There's, there's not much to it when it really comes down to it. And here's some other benefits that um, were on that list. So we had the reduction of excess weight, a better feeling, clear mind, detachment from worries, um, energetic. You feel energetic and easy to walk and run <laughs> and easy to do asana. See, this is an amazing thing that you, uh, your practice blossoms when you add the diet um, element to it. The power of um, eating like a monk, we'll say, like um, getting to the center and cutting out the, um, the foods that are on, that are meant to be more on the fringes. Um, okay, and then also, um, here's the, the funny, the last one. It cures constipation. So your digestion flows, right? And uh, so it says many people are constipated when they eat um, refined foods because there's no roughage to stimulate bowel movements in the large intestine. So whole grains, especially rice, have much roughage which causes the movement. I think that's gonna do it for, for this um, segment. I, I just wanted to check in with you and share that, um, this little piece of what I'm going through and I, I feel like it's, um, it's relevant to, to all of us and um, the message is simply figure your diet largely into your overall discipline. All right, so um, I have a, a lot of upcoming things that um, you can check on my website. Uh, I have a course on the Bhagavad Gita and asana actions. Um, I've got, uh, ooh, geez, some other ones, but oh, bandhas, a bandha, bandha basics and mudra magic coming up. Uh, I have a poetry book that I'm releasing. There's a party for it coming up, I think, April 15th or 16th. And um, got live dates coming up in, in Europe and Philadelphia. And um, so I'd love to work with you all. And um, yeah, namaste.